0: Gentlemen, I am the host of Independent Thought. My name is Desmond Price. No matter where you are in the world, I want to thank you for giving me a few minutes of your day to hear my thoughts. As always, we have a great show for you today. Now, here are our topics. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Independent Thought. My name is Desmond Price. If this is the first time you are hearing my podcast, welcome to the show. And if you are not already, please follow me on Instagram at Independent Thought. I post to my story daily. That is the best place to keep up with this podcast. So for today's episode, we are talking about the Senate parliamentarian. I know it is just absolutely awesome information I'm about to present to you. It sounds like the most exciting topic I've ever talked about, and it is. No, it's not. Okay, so first, who exactly is the sentiment parliamentarian? Why is her ruling on the COVID bill relevant? And why should you care? Okay, so first, let me set the scene really quickly here. So the reason why we are discussing this today is because the COVID bill, the one that I have addressed on several episodes now, the one that Biden talked about at length during his campaign and when he took office, the $1.9 trillion plan, which is supposed to include the stimulus checks that we were all waiting for, is in the process of now finally reaching the Senate after the House passed it. Now, because they decided to go through this route called reconciliation, which basically allows the Democrats to pass this bill with only 51 votes instead of the normal 60 that you would need if you were to pass something in the Senate. So since it has to go through this special process called reconciliation, every single portion of the bill has to be examined by the Senate parliamentarian who is a person who basically has to just go over a bill and just make sure that it is uh, eligible for the reconciliation process. So that is the stage right now. The current Senate parliamentarian goes by the name of, her name is Elizabeth McDonough, I believe is how you pronounce her last name. She has held office since 2012. Uh, Fun fact about the Senate parliamentarian, their term has no limits and they are appointed by the Senate majority leader. So in regards to the COVID bill, the Senate parliamentarian looked over the entire bill and she came to the conclusion that the $15 minimum wage that was inside of the COVID bill was not actually eligible to be a part of the reconciliation process because in her mind, it did not affect the budget. Which is, the, which is the criteria for being able to be allowed to be a part of a bill that goes through reconciliation. I know that a lot of that is complicated, but here's the gist. So Joe Biden, our president, decided to tack on the $15 minimum wage into this COVID relief bill. Now, he has said in the past that he believed that this was something worth fighting for. He said repeatedly that the American people deserved a minimum wage increase. In fact, when he was asked about it back in the debates, back in October, he was flatly asked, do you think that now is a good time to raise the minimum wage? To which he replied, absolutely. Okay. So now that the Senate parliamentarian has come out and said that the $15 an hour minimum wage cannot be a part of reconciliation, Biden claims that there is just nothing that he can do and that the minimum wage just will not be a part of the bill. So it looks like the dreams of having a $15 an hour minimum wage are now being scrapped by the Biden administration because of this ruling by this one person in the Senate who you probably never heard of before. I know I'd never heard of them before myself, but let's go a little bit further into this because after Biden came out and kind of just like threw in the towel, Most people in the news world also just echoed these sentiments saying that the $15 an hour minimum wage is now dead because of this parliamentarians ruling on it. But here's a fun fact that I want you to know. Per the Senate rules, the president of the Senate, who is the vice president, so currently Kamala Harris, has the power to overrule any decision that the parliamentarian makes. That is just the procedure that goes on in the Senate. So I want you to know this much. This is a direct quote here. The parliamentarians role in the Senate is only an advisory role and they do not decide what the Senate can and cannot do. The Senate themselves decide what the rules are for the Senate. Okay, so what I'm trying to say here is that The Biden administration, let me just say this clearly. Joe Biden himself is claiming that he is not going to try to pursue the $15 an hour minimum wage inside of this bill, even though it is clearly stated that they don't have to listen to anything that this parliamentarian actually rules on. If they decide that they want to go ahead and move forward with keeping the $15 an hour minimum wage inside of this bill they can do that, but they're choosing not to do that. And if it sounds crazy to you that they're choosing to just like cop out and not fight for this, and it doesn't make any sense to you, well, you're not alone with that because it doesn't make some, any sense to a lot of people. In fact, uh, Representative uh, Pramila Jayapal, a Democrat from Washington, actually was recently on Rachel Maddow's show this past week and she was discussing just that. I'm gonna play that clip for you right now.
1: I did wanna make a clarification though. The parliamentarian issues an advisory opinion. Uh, Once the parliamentarian issues that advisory opinion, it is up to the chair of the Senate to decide whether or not to incorporate that opinion. It's a a small technicality, but I do think that we've gotta use every tool in our toolbox here, whether it is reconciliation whether it is, um, you know, ultimately reforming the filibuster, we're going to need to deliver on our promise to raise the wage for 27 million Americans.
0: And do you make that clarification about the parliamentarian's opinion being an advisory matter because you think that Democrats in the Senate should use their 50 votes and potentially a tie-breaking vote of Vice President Harris, I guess, to overrule... The parliamentarian, if she says, no, this can't be in reconciliation, do you think they should go that far?
1: I personally do. Um, And I'll tell you, it's because either, I mean, Democrats made a promise to people across this country that we were going to raise the minimum wage, that we were going to put money in people's pockets. It's been 12 years since we've raised the minimum wage. And if we're going to make those promises, we have to be able to deliver on them. Because I'll tell you what, in two years, Rachel, when people vote in the midterms, you're not gonna be able to say, well, I'm sorry, we couldn't raise the minimum wage because the parliamentarian ruled that we couldn't do it. That's not gonna fly. So whether it's overruling the parliamentarian or whether it is reforming the filibuster so we can actually pass a minimum wage bill, I think it is important that we use every tool in the toolbox. One thing though, the House is going to pass this reconciliation bill with a $15 minimum wage raise in it. So we wanna be very clear, the House is gonna do our job. Now the Senate needs to do its job.
0: So now that we are coming back from that clip, I have to say that was my first time, I think, integrating a clip into an episode. No, nope, actually second time. I gotta say, I should probably be doing that a little bit more often, that's kind of fun. Anyway. I agree with everything that the representative just said. There is no way that we can just sit here and just let, you know, let it slide that we're not going to fight for the $15 an hour minimum wage. The $15 an hour minimum wage is way too important just to be punting on because of one person who has no authority whatsoever in the Senate thinks that it might not fly. Okay. This is, this is something that affects a lot of people. When we talk about the $15 an hour minimum wage, you know, there is a difference between the perception and the reality when it comes to this conversation. So, you know, according to the Economic Policy Institute, the, the perception around who is affected by the $15 an hour minimum wage is, it's you know, it's like teenagers, or college kids or you know, young people living with their parents or someone just looking to pick up like a extra, like second job to make extra income. That, that's the perception. It's, it's a bunch of just unqualified people who need to assert themselves better. But that is so far removed from the reality of the tens of millions of people who are currently making this minimum wage, okay? The reality is, is that the average age of the person who is you know making minimum wage is 35 years old. 90% of those people are not teenagers. 28% of these people have children. More than half of the people making minimum wage right now, that is their full-time job. They are full-time making the minimum wage. You know, know, I know that it's really easy for some people to sit in these ivory towers and talk about like, oh, well, you just need to try harder in life and so on and so forth. I always wonder if those people have actually traveled around this country. Because the reality in certain states is not the reality in other states. You go to a state like Virginia or a state like Pennsylvania, you know, a state like New Jersey, New York, where the populations are just incredibly high and sometimes your only option is that minimum wage job. It's your only option. So to act as if, you know, like, oh, if you just try harder, you can get a better job, then, you know, you wouldn't be in that position. It's just a bunch of crap. There's only so many jobs in some of these communities. And also the idea that, you know, people who have minimum wage jobs, you know, like they don't deserve to live dignified lives. Like what kind of crap is that? We are the most wealthy nation in human history. In human history. And we're acting as if we don't have the ability to at least let people live decent lives with dignity. Let me stop on that soapbox for a second, though. Let's get back to the rest of this conversation because Biden is hiding behind a meaningless technicality right now that isn't actually preventing anything. He is saying, you know, through his press secretary, through other people in his team that they cannot fight for this minimum wage increase because of the Senate parliamentarian. They're using this woman, the parliamentarian, as a crutch for something that does not exist. If they wanted to, if he wanted to, he could direct Kamala Harris to tell the Democrats in the Senate to go ahead and push for this anyway. We're not going to listen to the Senate parliamentarian, but they're not doing that. Okay. And this is just one more lie that I feel as though Joe Biden has told us over the course of this just first month, basically, of him being in office. I mean, he told us when he was on the campaign trail that he would fight for a $15 minimum wage, and he's already punting on it. He told us that he was going to give us $2,000 stimulus checks, and then that turned into $1,400. He told us that the checks were going to go out right away. It is now you know, like five, six weeks into his presidency and the Senate hasn't even begun their proceedings yet. And if you're telling yourself like, oh, well, you know, at least they're doing it within the first month. They could have done it in the first week, but they chose to do the impeachment trial first. And and let me just say in a really small, quick point here that yes, Donald Trump needed to be, you know, held accountable for what happened at the Capitol. I don't disagree with the idea that he should have been impeached, but when you knew, and they knew, that it was never going to go anywhere, that they were never going to get 17 Republican senators to vote against Donald Trump, they could have easily done the COVID relief package first and done the impeachment trial second, knowing that everyone needs this money, this relief now, and Donald Trump was never going to be convicted anyway. There was no need to do that first. They wasted our time by doing it. They could have easily have done that trial later because it would have had the same outcome no matter when they did it. I digress. Joe Biden also said there would be no deportations during his first 100 days And after that, the only deportations that would take place would be if people committed felonies. He said that during a debate against Bernie Sanders back in March of last year. And in his first month, forget first 100 days, his first month, tens of thousands of people have already been deported. And there is no evidence whatsoever that that many people committed any kind of felonies whatsoever. So he's gone back on that promise. And finally, after railing against Donald Trump for being the most, you know, obscene man of all time by putting kids in cages down at the border, Joe Biden is doing just that. But when he got the media backlash that he rightfully deserved the last week or so, all his reply was, the facilities won't be open for that long. So where does that leave us at right now? Biden claimed repeatedly that we deserved a better president. That was one of the things that he stressed over and over again when he was running against Donald Trump. We deserve better. Let's build America back better. And to that end, millions of people in this country, you know, constructed get out the vote efforts. They went through and knocked door to door, even during a time of COVID. They made calls all over this country. Social media campaigns Rained everywhere. We couldn't escape people talking about that election. Fundraising went through the roof as millions of people gave their money to Joe Biden, his campaign, all while dealing with the tragedy that we were all dealing with, which was having our lives upended by the coronavirus. So a monumentous effort was given by the American people to get Joe Biden into office. And he is returning that favor by doing basically jack now that he's in office and if it sounds like i'm being a little bit hard on joe biden it's because i am trying to be hard on joe biden this is ridiculous biden needs to deliver for us we're not asking joe biden to do a magic trick and pull a rabbit out of a hat and solve all of our country's problems by snapping his fingers. I'm not asking for you know, him to do a bunch of things that he's not capable of doing. I'm not asking for anything improbable. I am asking, and what we should all be asking for, is that he do the things he said he was going to do. I know it's uncomfortable, coming after the person that we just voted for because we were so happy to get Trump out of the White House that getting Biden in feels like a breath of fresh air. But please, please do not let this guy get away with going back on everything that he said he was going to do because he's not Donald Trump. That is not a good excuse to just let this guy get away with this. And one of the things that we can all do is just consistently make noise about all the crap that he's trying to pull right now, because it's not okay to not fight for this raised minimum wage. The people of this country deserve it. You said you were going to do it. And now with that being said, I am going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we will have my guest for this week.
1: Indie Thought listeners. Has this past year helped you rediscover your creative and crafty side? Well, then you're going to love our sponsor for today's episode. Bathing Beauties Beads is a full-service bead shop in the heart of downtown Missoula. Whether it's seed beads, semi-precious stones, vintage beads, or just materials to make a project, they have something for every person and every price range. Not from Missoula? Don't worry. They have an extensive online store and they will ship directly to you. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, they'll welcome you and help you make your next project a reality. You can find them online at Bathing Beauties Beads on Instagram and Facebook or at bathingbeautiesbeads.com. And don't forget to use offer code INDEPENDENTTHOUGHT at checkout to save 15% on your order.
0: Welcome back from the break everyone. This is Independent Thought. I am your host Desmond Price. Today we are joined by Tony from the Mud Talk podcast. Tony thank you for coming on the podcast today sir.
2: Thank you Des. Thank you for having me man. It's a pleasure man. I, you know it's one of the uh, mama made it moments right now man. So I appreciate <laughs> it bro.
0: Uh, you know you're being modest a little bit right now. Tony has a has a great podcast. Um uh, you know, I love to have people on that are, like, in my rotation of podcasts that I listen to. He was uh, nice enough to let me come on his podcast a few months ago. For those who haven't uh, heard his podcast before, please go check it out. But, you know, before we get started, um, whenever I have a fellow podcast to come on my podcast for the first time, I always give them a chance to talk about their podcast a little bit. So just tell everybody, like, what is, you know, your podcast about? Like, what are the motivations behind it?
2: Yeah, man. So, uh, I'm the host of the mud talk podcast. You know, you can find that on any, any platform that you, that you stream podcasts on. And and I talk a little bit about sports. I talk culture. I talk life fashion here and there. I tell a lot of stories from my childhood just cause I had a, a, a rough upbringing and I try to use those stories to try to help motivate people. So, um, I'm big on youth empowerment and, and trying to, uh, motivate the youth to, to to be business owners and things like that so I'm, I'm big on all of that stuff man it's mainly just positivity man i think i just want to be a beacon of light to society today you know especially the young people um but not only young people adults too so yeah man that's that's what i aim to do i aim to just help make people better man
0: yeah and you were telling me a little bit about you know some of the things that you had kind of got caught up in when you were when you were coming up you know, uh, tell us a little bit more about that. Like, what were some of the things that you experienced growing up that made you kind of like, you know, aim your podcast more towards positivity?
2: Man, where do I start? Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm like, yo, um, I want to say, uh, let's see, well, if I can give you, if I can give you one moment that really, really turned turned everything for me. Um, it probably was when I, uh, God, man, I, I don't want to downplay coming a, becoming a parent because that was a big big time for me um that that did change the way I just just looked at life and everything and a lot of people say that but I think it was when I when I got into a situation um where where I potentially could have been in federal prison I had to go to federal court um for some stuff that just kind of came to my front door literally and uh going through that process and you know I had already been arrested a couple of times prior to that yeah and uh when I was faced with a situation that could have ended up with me not being around like for a long time Um, I prayed I prayed so hard to God I'm like man if I get out of this I promise I'll never be in anybody's court ever again you know what I'm saying unless I'm going to evict somebody out of a property I own <laughs> something like that like I'll never being another court um, as a criminal or as a, or being accused of a crime, and so I want to say that was probably the moment that my life turned because I realized, man, th- this isn't the life I want. Like I don't want to be looking over my shoulder. I don't want to uh, wonder if my family is 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 in trouble or or I'm I'm risking them being hurt or harmed because of my actions and things like that. And I just, it just, I realized the lifestyle wasn't for me. I realized that wasn't my calling. And so um, I immediately um, got an opportunity, ironically, at a young age to, like, be a basketball coach at, like, a rec center. And that's yeah. when my passion to, like, start helping the youth and really, like, pouring into the youth, that's when it really, I want to say, it was, it was born at that time. But I realized during that process that I just didn't, I didn't want to continue down that, that road that I was on, man, with the life I was living.
0: Yeah, you know, that's, you know, escaping that kind of like lifestyle is a hard thing. I know a lot of people, you know, they get sucked into that that frame of mind to, you know, just like just that lifestyle in general, you know, for you, you know, was it pretty easy for you to transition out of it? Or did you or was it like a a, kind of like a gradual process for you?
2: Yeah, no, it wasn't easy. It definitely wasn't easy. Um, that process I want to say is still kind of ongoing like right now even as positive of a a person that I am today and that I I feel like I'm a servant leader I'm always doing things to pour into the community and to help people but you know every once in a while you're going to run into somebody from your past right you're going to run into somebody that hasn't seen you in 10 years 15 years and the first thing they're going to talk to you about is something that you don't even involve yourself with anymore. right the old life so I- exactly so the stuff comes up it's, it's not as often now um just because i think i've kind of god has kind of taken me out of certain areas to where i don't really deal with it but it was very tough man because a lot of the people that i was really close with like really close with i mean some people you know you know how you have people that you call your brother i mean y'all not blood or y'all might not be you know um in the same family but y'all have done some things together and you trust them and Um, you've had them around your family and you, you know, I had to personally cut ties with a lot of people to change my life. Like I couldn't, I couldn't say I wanted to be a certain way and still be in the same place, dealing with the same people, doing those same things. Like I I just expected that those people will respect the fact that I wanted better for my life, um, without judging me and stuff like that. But ultimately it wasn't, you know, that wasn't true. You know, I I would run into people and, um, it would be times where, man, I'm talking about like, I remember being places you know even <laughs> as, as as man about four years ago I was with my wife somewhere and ran into somebody um, from a situation you know way back when and it was just like my wife could see it on my face she's like you okay I'm like yeah I'm good you know what I'm saying dude didn't say nothing to me I didn't say nothing to him but you know we got in the car and I kind of told her what was going on she was blown away by the story I'm like She's like, why didn't you say anything? We could have just left. I'm like, no, nah, it's not that because I'm not that person anymore. Right. You know, I just didn't know if that guy, you know what I mean? Like, would, would look, you know, have vengeance in his heart or whatever, you know? So, you know, the, the process, you know, to answer the question is, is really tough. But if, you, if you're if you focused on your future and you're focused on doing right, I believe. And, you know, and of course, you know, I'm, 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 you know, I'm a Christian and, you know, my faith is in God. You know, I walk by faith and not by sight. So, I, you know, I found it you know, focusing on him, you know, I know that he's going to get me through everything. So um, that's where my strength really comes from. But, yeah, it's been tough, man. It's been a gradual process. But now I think I'm, you know, I'm pretty much out of that now. You know what I mean? For the most part. You know, I don't deal. People know. They know they see Tony now. They'll, Tony, Tony don't do that. Or, he. you know, he ain't over there. Or don't approach him with that because he, I'm telling you, he ain't, you know, he ain't that type of person. So I think people get it now. But initially it was very hard, very hard.
0: Right. Now, as you, you know, transition now and you're, you know, putting all that stuff, you know, way behind you and you talk about like kind of like being like a servant, kind of like a mentor, especially to young people, you know, like how do you use what you experience to kind of help like younger people or just other people in general, you know, like just give them stories that you've experienced to kind of keep them away from those bad things or get them away from the bad things they're currently in
2: yeah the first the first thing I tell them man is that um, what you're seeing right now um, that, that you think is cool it, it won't be cool in ten years yeah I'm saying like I try to I try to put it into terms that they can understand because the things that I was doing you know because of what you know my environment and the things that were presented to me I thought that's how I had to live I thought that success was determined um you know, by the things that I would do in the neighborhood or, or, you know, the stuff that, you know, people would tell you, oh, you got to do this, you got to do that. But ultimately, that stuff I learned, you know, I went through some experiences that taught me, dude, if you do that, you're not going to have an opportunity to have a life out here. You're not going to have an opportunity to, uh, you know, have a family and, and create wealth and, and do these things that you want to do. So um, I tell them right away, look, what you're hearing in the music that you're listening to is entertainment. You know what I'm saying? Like what you're, what you're seeing on TV is entertainment. You need to be yourself. And you know, I had an issue with being myself at a young age. I, I didn't realize that, you know, that the person that God made me to be was who he made me to be. He didn't make me to be like the guys that I seen on the block. You know what I'm saying? Like, so a lot of these kids, they, they're, they're not um, at a place in their life where their individuality, uh, where they're not in tune with their individuality, like not knowing who they're they're not accepting who they are. And so that's the first thing I tell them, you know, be yourself. Like if you want to be a business owner, like you want to, you want to start a clothing brand, like start that. Like you may not be making the money that you're seeing these dudes make on the block or the money that they're talking about in the music and stuff like that. But the reality is that those guys aren't doing the things that they're talking about. It's just tame. So I try to, you know, come at them real, you know, and let them know, like, what you're hanging and what you're seeing, is just entertainment, it's not real. So you you much rather, you know, take the route that you're on right now, whether, you know, but I'm here for you, uh, if you want to start a business, uh, you know, I can help walk you through that process. Um, I can, I can help you in any way, shape or form to keep you away from that. Um, and some of these kids I deal with, man, they're literally like one foot in, one foot out the streets. you know what I'm saying? And so... You got to break it down to them in a way that it's going to appeal to them. And, you know, talking about being a business owner at a young age, telling them what they can have in five years if they make the right decisions. Right. Stay away from this group of people and that group of people. Um, you know, they start to see the big plan. And then when I really tell them my life, because they look at me and they look at my Instagram and the first thing they see these kids and, and my kids, uh, I got a son in high school and his, yeah. his friends say it all the time. They're like, is your dad rich? You know what I'm saying? Because this is the thing. They look at my Instagram, they see what I wear, and they automatically think, like, that I'm this type of person, you know, because they're trained to believe that if you have this type of clothes, if you, um, you know, if if you drive this certain type of car, then you do these certain activities, right? right? And then we don't have to go into detail about those activities, but we know what they are, right? Right. And so, you know, they always ask my son, they're like, what does your dad do? He's like, well, my dad's a basketball coach, you know, he, um, he's an entrepreneur, he, you know, he has, you know, um, a real estate investing business that he has, you know, and stuff like that. And they're like, oh, I thought y'all were rich. Now, even with my son telling them that, and, then, and them seeing evidence on my page of what the things that I have, which don't mean anything, my, I'm not saying that because material stuff that it can vanish today. But what I'm saying is, even through seeing that, kids still think that you have to be on the block to obtain all of that stuff. And so I'm trying to show these kids that look, I don't I don't do that. I'm not doing that. You get what I'm saying? So you could have this life and you could have it a lot sooner than I had it. If you make the right decisions, you know what I'm saying? So so that's the approach I take with the kids, man. I talk about decision making, and, yeah. you know, and, and yeah, yeah. So that, that's the route I go.
0: You know, it's, it. I, I imagine it's gotta be tough. You know, I'm not currently living in a, you know, in an environment like that myself, you know, I grew up over in the East Coast, I have, I've been removed from it for, you know, more than a decade now. But, you know, I got to imagine being in that environment all the time, it, got, it gets a little, you know, disheartening kind of seeing kids, you know, especially like young kids, high school, middle school, getting sucked into the life, you know, especially when you want to, you know, just try so hard to kind of keep them away from all that, because you know how a lot of that ends up for a lot of people. But, You know, the the question I want to ask for you before I transition kind of like away from this topic completely is, do you, how much impact do you think the music that, you know, kids listen to, I mean, primarily hip hop music, like how much of an impact do you think that that has on a lot of these, you know, young people kind of getting into that lifestyle?
2: A lot. And, And believe me, man, I'm a fan of music. Um, I probably listen to more Christian rap nowadays than I do um, other music. But I love music. I grew up on really, really good music. You know, Jay-Z and Nas and all of these guys. So I respect the music game a lot. But I just think that the message that's in the music today has transitioned into just, just this reckless, like, just it's crazy. Um, everything involves uh, a federal crime. You know what I'm saying? And, like, yeah. and these kids, they they see the money and they see the jewelry and they see the cars and they hear what these guys are talking about. They experienced. And, 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 and they, and they take that and they, and they think that that's what they have to do. And it's not what they have to do, man. And so that's why I say, when you asked me earlier, I, I, first and foremost, I tell them, look, that's entertainment because if these guys were still doing those things, they would be dead or they would be in prison for the rest of their life. Now, they may have experienced some, some, some sort of uh, trauma or some life-altering situations growing up. That they, through the grace of God, they were able to escape. But music was their escape. You know how they maintain their money right now? It's, it's, it's because they are a bit, they're in the business realm. You know what I'm saying? They're businessmen. They're businesswomen. That's how they're making their money and maintaining their money and growing their wealth. Um, but the kids don't see that. So, yeah, I think the music has a lot to do with it. I don't knock the, the artists because that's what made them money. You get what I'm saying? That's what got them into the, you know, the situation that they're in now. But the youth, man, especially the ones that don't have the two-parent household, the ones that don't um, have you know, positivity surrounding them every day and, and a ton of love and influence and uh, you know people to look up to and mentorship, they hear that and they think, man, that's what I'm about to do. I'm about to go kick a door uh, or I'm a, I'm about to, you know, do this drug or that drug. You know what I'm saying? I, I, you know, I'm about to hit the block and get, and get this. I'm about to scam somebody. I got to do this to get that money. And that's not true. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I'm big on youth entrepreneurship, man. But I think music, music has a lot to do with it, man. It has a lot to do with it.
0: Yeah. And so as you know, we're kind of, getting away from that topic a little bit because i i agree i mean you know when it comes to hip-hop music i've been a fan my whole life but you know i feel like there's a lot of people who don't separate what they're hearing from real life you know that they, they take like the words that are being said in those songs as like as like literal translation like i need to go out there and do this in order to get this lifestyle and i don't really blame them because there's, there's not an, i feel like you know, like we're, you know, for the longest time, you know, up until just recently, you know, people who are, who have black skin, they were only depicted, you know, in the media as like, either you got to be a rapper or like a, or like an athlete, that was the only way that you could, you know, make any kind of money. And so there's a lot of like younger people who would see that and just think to themselves, like, those are my only options. They didn't know there was another way to do it. And so I really, you know, I think it's a great thing that you're trying to mentor young people and trying to tell them, like, there's multiple ways to, you know, find a way to have a good life for yourself, including starting, you know, your own business, which you've talked to me about. You've started multiple businesses yourself. Uh, Tell me a little bit more about that. Like, what was that process like for you? Did you find it to be hard at all? Like starting a business? Like, what was that process like?
2: Yeah, that's kind of crazy, man. And I know right before we talk, and I, I know we're transitioning into a new topic, my last meeting of today, like before I got on this call with you, um, I had a meeting with uh, a close family friend and her son and it was kind of like, you know, he, had, he started a clothing line, uh, created some, you know, a design and he had business cards and all of this, but they didn't know the next step. And And I was the first person that they called. They're like, look, I need you to sit down with me and my son. I'll buy you lunch. Um, we need to sit down and, you know, can you help my son get his business started? I'm like, That's okay, great. I got you. You know what I'm saying? I got yeah. you. And, and And to me... This is what matters to me. It ain't about the money. It's not about anything. I just want to have an impact on the youth. Now, today, I was able to sit down with a 17-year-old kid to help him fill out his paperwork for LLC. You get what I'm saying? And what to do and how to, you know, uh, get his stuff, you know, copyrights and all of this stuff, man. It was such a powerful um, lunch meeting that I had with them. And I think I walked away happier than he did because I just knew that I just sowed a seed you know, into the youth, man. So, yeah, man, with that being said, you know, uh, I did, I did, I have started multiple businesses. Um, I used to do music. That, that's the crazy part. My very first business was a music group. Um, and, you know, I, I had to teach myself how to, um, get everything, you know, that, that I could go through the copyright process. I had to form an LLC. I didn't have a mentor. I had to do research on my own. When you're talking 15 years ago or so where, where um, you know, the internet was a lot different, right? Like, we have a lot more information at our reach now where we can type in, you know, to Dr. Google or whatever, and we can find things. Um, things right. are a lot more accessible now, right? But back then, I literally had to teach myself. And I, I filled out the paperwork. i never forget filling out my first, uh, first paperwork for my LLC. It was the incorrect paperwork. Sent it to the Secretary of State. They sent it back. I'm like, oh, man, okay, what did I do wrong? And I had nobody to call. You know right. what I'm saying? It acts. I'm like, all right. So I did some more research and then found out what I did wrong. Filled out the paperwork again, sent it off. They sent it back again. You know what I'm saying? they like, <laughs> you did not uh, put the LLC on the end of your business name. It was really petty, but right. there, was, there was some growth there. So the first time I did it completely wrong. Second time I was almost there and I didn't, um, you know, complete the name correctly. And then the third time, of course, I filled it out right. Um, the business was registered and everything like that Um, and so I you know I formed a music group and I was able to make some money off of it I'm not going to say I you know made a ton of money while I was you know riding in a binge you know 15 years ago or nothing like that but what I did experience was how to start a business and and that experience took me a long way going into you know the next few years of my life and so um you know fast forward you know a few years after I, I stopped doing music and decided that I just You know, uh, I didn't want to be an old rapper, you know what I'm saying? Especially (laughs) the fact that I wasn't uh, established yet. Uh, So I was like, yeah, I'm gonna transition out of this and I'm going to um, move on into something that that actually would uh, be beneficial, um, not only for my family, but for me. I wanted to do something that I enjoy because I love music and I enjoy doing it. It never felt like work. Um, So that's when I decided, to start you know the basketball organization
0: right and yeah you told me more, yeah. a lot about that uh, you know about how you have like your own like you know just like a basketball team that you do for, for yeah. I think middle school high school kids or both or one yeah man
2: yeah yeah so um yeah so we we have a trip myself and my wife you know i would be crazy not to mention her because she's the bookkeeper she's uh my personal assistant <laughs> she keeps in contact with the, the parents and She does it all, man, Man, bank account for the business and all of that. So, yeah, man, but myself and my wife decided to um, start a a travel basketball organization. And it was all on the premise of really giving back um, from the beginning, like taking kids from a similar upbringing that I had, you know, um, single parent households, uh, parents. uh, They couldn't afford for their kids to play because if you're familiar with travel basketball and AAU um, basketball was, you know, AAU stands for the Amateur Athletic Union. Um, you know, if you have a, a basketball organization, you're you're usually registered with AAU if you're serious about it. Um, but anyway, um, we started that and, you know, we were just helping some kids, man. We, and nobody was paying us. We poured thousands of dollars into just, you know, traveling and playing in tournaments and just, you know, I mean, having banquets and doing all kind of stuff, but just for the love of the game and just trying to make a difference. That turned into a business um, one day when I was kind of cornered by some parents um, of, of, of two new kids that I had brought into my organization. Um, and the parents was just flat out told me, like, you can't keep doing this for free. And I was like, for free? What do you mean? Like I I get paid by seeing the smiles on these kids' faces, knowing that their grades are right, knowing that the character is right, knowing that um, they're developing on the court and off the court. They're like, no, yeah, we get that. But I had one parent in particular, and I won't name drop, but uh, yeah. it was actually a grandparent. That, that flat out showed me how much he paid for his grandson to experience what he was experiencing with my organization he showed me he was like this is what i paid for three months with another another organization i was like what you know what i mean at the same time i'm like I don't, I don't really get where you're going he's like look you can't keep doing this like we're not gonna allow you and it like from that moment uh it turned into a business like i had to, i had to go home that night have a rush meeting with my wife like look they said the parents say we got to. We got to come up with an amount that we have to charge each parent and this, that, and a third. And we got to get insurance and some other stuff. And and immediately that night, I came back, you know, scheduled a meeting. Well, my wife scheduled a meeting. I just spoke. Um, and, then, and then we talked <laughs> to the parents. Yeah, And we let them know, you know, okay, this is, the, this is the new wave. This is what's going on. And when we told them, this is what blew my mind. Like, this is what blew my mind. When we told them the amount, they were like, this is it. This is all we got to pay. Like it was almost like like we came in so low, like we like they were like this is it this is all you sure I'm like yeah this this is it, and so um, I mean just like I say fast forward another year we had to go up again on fees we had to uh, we ended up garnering a sponsorship just because I work in the community and you know I back to school events that we did and before I know it man it was just um, you know it was it was it was money coming in from that. Uh, business itself, just that business alone was enough to cover my bills every month, mortgage, car payments, you know what I'm saying? Like, because they 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 understood that I needed to be paid for my time. It, it never was my wish, you know, to be paid for my time. But when you pour your heart into something, you do what's right. Ultimately, you're going to get what you deserve. And so, um, you know, that's, that's what happened with my organization. So that was my second business. And during that time with that money coming in, I started a real estate investment um, company with a buddy of mine, who really approached me with the idea, and I was like, "Okay, well, I got some extra funds coming in. Let's do that." And we formed another another business um, with me, him, and one and one other guy. We partnered up to uh, purchase some land and some investment properties and stuff like that. And so, um, just just you know, uh, a, a high school dropout from the projects who faced uh, you know legal issues at an early age who made a bunch of dumb decisions. Um, I changed my life around the day that I decided that I wanted to do better, you know, and I didn't want to be a part of a life that would eventually um, leave me in the grave or or locked up in a prison cell for the rest of my life. So yeah, man, starting, starting a businesses is ultimately probably what really allowed me to take off, man, and continue to, you know, sow even more seeds.
0: You know what? That's, that's, that's a great way to wrap it up, man. I, that is a great moral for a lot of people out there who are struggling, who are going through hard times, who not sure how they can turn things around for themselves. Like there is always, you know, there's always something around the corner, you know, as long as you just have some faith and just keep pushing forward and keep trying for something else, you know, I'm always about promoting kind of like stories and, you know, just mentalities in general that are about just, moving forward in life because there's a lot of different things in life as far as challenges are concerned that can come up as obstacles that can come up as you know something to knock you down keep you down so i applaud you for you know getting out of that lifestyle and just turning things around completely and it seemed prospering now so the podcast again is called mud talk Uh, coach Tony thank you for coming on the podcast today you know before we let you go just uh, one more time just please uh, plug your podcast so that people know where to find you
2: oh for sure man so mud talk podcast man I drop a new a new episode every Thursday at 10 a.m eastern standard time and you can find that on Apple Google Spotify um, iHeartRadio wherever you're uh, you know you download and stream you know music uh, you can get on there and you can find the podcast but you know, um, you want to hear some positive stuff, man. You're going to hear some really cool stories, man, about my life and my childhood, man. So definitely, man, check me out. When you do check me out, man, get on Apple, man. Write a review, man. Leave a rating, man, because that, that helps the podcast grow. Um, and Yeah, that, that, that's where you'll find me. Dez, I appreciate you, man. It was a pleasure getting on here. Like I said, man, mama, I made it. I'm on independent thought. So, man, I appreciate <laughs> you, brother.
0: Yeah, well, you know, definitely going to hopefully have you back on again in the future. So I do appreciate you coming on. And for everybody else uh, listening, uh, we will take one last break. But when I come back, I will have my final thoughts of the day. Welcome back from the break, everyone. Thank you for sticking with us through this episode of Independent Thought. If you have not already, please hit that subscribe button right next to my logo. We do not always post one episode a week. Sometimes it's more than one episode a week. So it's always good to be subscribed because you never know when extra episodes might just come out of nowhere. So first thing I want to do is acknowledge the fact that I am taking a mid-season break. I will be taking off for two weeks Be coming back in the middle of March to do the second half of this third season. There will be at least 10 more episodes before the season ends. Uh, As far as that is concerned, I have some guests already lined up. You will be seeing me also um, speak with the hosts of the Take Up Space podcast. And from the 336 Pull Up podcast... I was thankful enough to talk to the hosts of the Shall We Proceed podcast and Let's Be Real podcast, four different podcasters. We all had great conversations. I was so thankful to have them all on. I will also be interviewing Uh, Two candidates for local office here in Missoula, Montana. I'll be interviewing Daniel Carlino, who's running for city council here in Missoula, as well as Jacob Elder, who is running for the mayor of Missoula. Both of those episodes will be coming uh, in, I would want to say the next month or so. I would look for them in April. That's what I'm projecting that they will come out as of now. I will let you know if any of that changes for any reason. So with that being said, uh, those will be coming in the pipe the second half of the season, as well as some more just solo episodes with yours truly. Now, as far as these first 11 episodes go from season three, uh, please DM me your thoughts. What did you think? Which episodes resonated with you? Which ones were you kind of eh, on the fence about? Tell me what you liked, tell me what you didn't like. Uh, just Get a hold of me in my DMs, Instagram, Twitter, best ways to get a hold of me. I would love to hear anything that you have as far as feedback is concerned about how these first 11 11 episodes went. So in regards to this episode that I just got done, and not just this episode, but the episodes that I've done so far this season, we have spent a lot of time kind of coming after the the shortcomings of not only Joe Biden, but of what happened with Donald Trump uh, at the end of his presidency, some other things going on in the world in regards to China and those concentration camps or uh, Elon Musk's new technology Neuralink, you know, just a lot of negative topics uh, in general. And I know that it's hard to be consistent up to date with the news and with information like this because it can be discouraging it can feel as though it's like a giant weight like how do you deal with all of this negative information and i have and i I completely understand you know that's part of the reason why personally i don't have this as a daily show because you know i need a break from this information too so this is a weekly thing for me and, but what I want to say is that knowledge is really power. You know, there have been so many times in our history where, you know, the, one of the contributing factors to why so many bad things happen in this country is because the public is more or less unaware of the truth. And so at any moment in time, if you're asking yourself, what can you do in order to do something about all of this, you can just stay informed, you know, and, and that was one of the things that really was important for me you know cuz i think this past summer when we were watching all of these protests happen i found myself asking myself a really important question like what can i do about all this injustice in the world like, like what can i do you know and some people went out and protested some people you know like wrote letters to local representatives some people made calls you know like everyone tried to do something in a way to be engaged in politics because of what was happening this summer and for me you know this kind of manifested you know i was already kind of doing this podcast but i was kind of on the fence about it i wasn't really sure if i was going to continue it uh but when i saw all that happen i knew that this was going to be my outlet my way of being involved and not everyone's going to start a podcast but i think just being informed and sharing information is one of the best ways to stay engaged. And if you're not sure what you can do, sharing knowledge is always a good idea when it comes to just making sure that everyone's aware of what's going on in the world. And so with that being said, please share this podcast, share these episodes, the episodes that you do like, uh, share them on your social media so that other people can find them. And share information just out, you know, not even just this podcast, but just other places too, like other information that you get, whether you watch a good YouTube video, or you hear another good podcast, or you see an article that you like, let's always be sharing the information that matters. But again, please share my podcast, because that'd be great. So with that being said, I want to thank all of you for again, tuning in to another episode of Independent Thought. And as I have been doing uh, so often this season, I'm gonna leave you with a quote for the day, which is all that we are is a result of what we have thought. And so with that being said, think positive thoughts, people. See you next time.